to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body I mean the f everything I mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well I mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is no rules. with no rules real fighting. well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like big dumb McCartney that pulled me about, folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud for fighting with you. For you. Don't bring the dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you gotta just keep on flowing. Welcome back, Penn Nation. You're now tuned in to yet another episode of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. And as we do each and every week, we've got another great show lined up for you guys. Great guests, a lot to talk about in the news. Um, BJPenn.com Radio. We're live each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And each and every week, we are going to continue to bring you guys the best guests and awesome interviews. We are the fighter's voice and the voice of you guys, the fans. And as I've said in the past few weeks on this show, we try to give these athletes a platform to speak their hearts and minds. No voice too little, no topic too controversial or cliche unfiltered and unbiased the fighter's voice and the voice of the fans bjpen.com radio tonight's lineup is another great one folks but before we get into that i tell you guys each and every week and i'm going to continue to tell you guys your home for mma news is bjpen.com make sure you guys bookmark us bjpen.com forward slash mma news for all the latest and greatest of the sport that you love all the hot topics the breaking news the viral videos exclusive content you crave all in one place not to mention i've said it week after week we've got new technique videos coming out every week from some of the best athletes in the game in their respective uh combat sport um professions bjpen.com guys we're the largest independently owned and operated mma news site out there today we greatly appreciate all the continued support we love you guys for that 
everything you crave from the sport you love, bjpan.com, we've got you covered. As I've mentioned, it's a great guest list tonight. However, I've been running into some hiccups trying to get this Alan Joban uh, interview uploaded onto the onto the um, studio portion of our podcast software, if you will. So if you guys would bear with me a moment, I'm going to have a brief silence here before I jump into the news. I just want to see if I can get this uploaded. Um, I know it was last minute, but Alan had called. Well, I had originally set up this interview with Alan a little earlier today. He ran a little late, so therefore I had to do some editing last minute, and it took me a little longer than I expected. However, it was all done, ready to rock, but for some reason I'm having trouble uploading it. So if you guys would bear with me just a moment, I'm going to try to get this uploaded before we jump into the guest list, uh, or before we jump into the news, rather. But I'll break down the guests before we do that. Kicking things off, coming off of a huge KO victory over the weekend at UFC Fight Night 116 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Beautiful tie clinch, beautiful knee, stole the show in my opinion. Of course, I'm talking about Platinum Mike Perry. He'll be joining us to recap this win, talk about the situation with Tiago falling out of the fight, being replaced by Alex Reyes. Last-minute replacement. And, of course, he seized the opportunity. Made the most of it. Got a huge KO. Wasted no time when he got on the microphone. Called out Robbie Lawler. We talk about all that and much more. And, of course, the likelihood of him possibly uh, being a last-minute replacement as well. Uh, he came out of the fight unscathed. He's ready to rock. Motivated and looking, at, looking towards gold. So he's our first guest tonight, Platinum Mike Perry. Great conversation with him, as I mentioned. Next up, assuming I can get this, uh, this audio file up here on the server, will be Alan Joban, the Brahma. He's going to make his broadcasting debut this weekend, UFC Japan. He will be on the panel in the Fox Sports studio with Karen Bryant, Daniel Cormier, and Michael Bisping. As I said here in the description, pretty long overdue, uh, especially in my opinion and many people's opinion. He's a highly marketable guy, well-spoken. He's been doing this thing for a long time. He's, he's been co-hosting a podcast for a long time, rather. And uh, I think it's, time, it, it's his time to shine as a commentator as a, and as an analyst. So we're going to hear about how this all came to be, how excited he is for the opportunity here, a little bit about... Uh, we're, we're going to break down the card, obviously. UFC Japan coming up this weekend. Great card, flying under the radar. Unfortunately, could have been promoted a little better, in my opinion. But a lot to talk. We had a long conversation, great conversation with, with uh, Joe Ban, as always. Uh, we'll get the latest on what's next for him and his career moving forward, uh, following the loss to Nico Price. And much, 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 much more. Great conversation with Alan. Let's hope I can get it uploaded here. And then closing out tonight's show, we're joined by the always outspoken and entertaining fan favorite, game-bred Jorge Masvidal. It was announced a few weeks ago that his fight with uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is official for UFC 217 going down in Madison Square Garden, New York City. Really big fight, important fight for the division. We'll break down the fight, 
we'll catch up with him and hear what's going on uh, in, in regards to uh, his personal life with uh, Hurricane Irma. We'll get an update on that and much more. We'll talk the division. What's next for him, assuming he gets this, gets this big dominant win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Should he be next in line for the title shot? Very hard to argue. Another opportunity for him to stake his claim as the number one contender. <clears throat> and of course, UFC 217 being headed up by Michael Bisping and, uh, and George St. Pierre, the return of George St. Pierre. That will be the headliner. Jorge's on this card. You guys have heard it here many times on this show. Uh, some exclusive uh, stories brought to us by Jorge uh, in regards to his beef with Bisping. Well, he says it's not beef. It's just uh, he's not the biggest fan of Michael Bisping. Let's just say that. So interesting stuff, considering that these guys are going to have to interact with each other, cross paths many times on Fight Week. So we'll hear plenty about that and uh, much, much more. We'll talk boxing with all of these guys as well, the Triple G Canelo fight. Um, but listen, before I waste any more time, again, please forgive me for a brief silence, but I'm going to try to get these, this file uploaded uh, so we do not miss out on this Alan Joe Band interview. Bear with me just a moment. This is BJPenn.com Radio. We're always doing it live, and this is how it goes, guys. Just a moment. I greatly appreciate your patience. Going to hit you guys with some music so you're not just listening to dead air. Uh, should have this figured out here in a second, though. Thank you guys very much for your patience. Again, my apologies. This is BJPenn.com Radio. This is the fighter's voice. And, of course, we got some technical difficulties. <laughs> just a moment here.
Oh my goodness, Penn Nation. So I figured it out. Holy crap, that was intense. Talk about having to edit it, edit some audio on the fly. Listen, because of that, there was a ton of news I wanted to get into, but we're not going to get into that. Um, I will just say uh, the hurricane situation, our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone in the areas already affected by Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. And now Hurricane Maria is bringing more destruction to the Caribbean islands of Puerto Rico. Please, everyone, stay safe. Our hearts go out to you. Um, it has been a busy week in MMA. Um, UFC Fight Night 116 had some great fights, great finishes. Luke Rockhold comes back from a long layoff, gets back in the win column. Biggest news of the week, Rousey's coach, uh, Edmund Tarverdian, says he wants Ronda to fight Cyborg uh, for her last outing. Um, Of course, I'm sure you all have a serious opinion about that. Carlos Condit has come out of the shadows, said he's ready to fight. Towards the end of the year, very exciting stuff. Maybe a rematch with uh, Nick Diaz could bring the two fan favorites uh, back out of the woodworks for a big showdown. Roy McDonald versus Douglas Lima, that's being targeted targeted for January 20th in Bellator. Finally, a chance for uh, Roy McDonald to get a strap. And, uh, of course, Canelo, Triple G, uh, great fight. A lot of controversy with Adelaide Bird. You'll hear us talk about that in some of our interviews tonight. And an awesome card going down in Japan this weekend. Shogun is off the card. That is a bummer. But the rest of the fights will be great. I am sure of that. Um, and who doesn't enjoy watching some MMA coming live from Japan? Why hasn't this card been promoted better is beyond me, as I said earlier. And folks, Gokan Saki. Gokan, the Rebel Saki, makes his friggin' UFC debut. I am so pumped up for that. So there's a ton of news that I didn't cover a lot of this, I didn't get to get into uh, any depth with it, but that's what happens when you're rocking live. So this is BJPenn.com radio. Oh, and before I, before I forget, race, rest in peace, Jake LaMotta. He is the boxer that Raging Bull was based on. Very tough guy, legend of boxing, and uh, he passed away today. So rest in peace, Jake. Hearts go out to his family as well. All of this and much more, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. We're going to jump right into things, guys. Kicking things off, the man they call Platinum. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Perry. Big finish for him on Saturday. And again, it might not have been against the opponent that we had all hoped it would be. But nonetheless, seized the opportunity, made the most made the most of it, so... Uh, great performance on, on, on Mike Perry's behalf. Kicking things, off. Kicking things off tonight, we're joined by the man they call Platinum, Mike Perry. I hope you guys enjoy. This is BJPenn.com Radio. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show. Arguably the biggest winner from UFC Fight Night 116 that just went down this Saturday in Pittsburgh. Performance of the night winner, huge KO, can't say much more about it. Of course, I'm talking about the man they call Platinum, Mike Perry. Mike, great performance, man. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. Traveling across the country right now, seeing seeing, uh, these highways, man, these trees, this world that we live in, man. It's pretty cool out here. Yeah, so... 
I, I, well, talking to you, my friend, and getting ready for dinner time. Getting kind of hungry over here. I know we're both both East Coast guys. A lot of the guys on my team that, uh, you know, they're all over the all over the world, but a lot of them are on the West Coast. So, time frame wise, I don't think they take that into consideration a lot. But anyway, listen. I know you said you were driving, coming through North Carolina right now. Is that correct? Yeah. So countryside, all that stuff. Do you get a chance to go out and actually have a you know, a long road trip like this often, or? No, nah, man, this is kind of, kind of a, I, I guess we went to South Carolina once, to hang out with my friend, his, his girlfriend had a place up there, uh, we hung out for a couple of days, had a good time, and then went back home, and that was the first time I did it, and then this, the hurricane came, they called me to fly out to Pittsburgh a little early, and I decided it was a good opportunity to do it again. This is probably the second time in my life. So it's pretty fun, man, having a good time, stopping at, at places along the way. We got the dogs with us, you know, eating food and, and uh, enjoying life, man, getting ready, talking business, too, talking to people on the phone a lot, managers and uh, um, reporters and things like that. So, I'm talking, I feel like I'm moving, I'm working, I'm on the move, getting money. <laughs> it's all in the right direction. Life, so, it's yeah, a- man, I'm going the right way. Absolutely. And I can only imagine that after the performance you had on Saturday, you're even more of a hot commodity right now. So all the business side, like you said, talking to reporters, managers, I can only imagine how hectic things have been for you. So that being said, man, beautiful knockout from the tie clinch. Give us your thoughts on your performance. Um, I thought it was pretty flawless, man. Uh, actually, there was one thing I could have done, but he was he was moving away so much. I just I, I should have hit him with the side kick. I feel he was throw, he was trying to throw that front kick and stop at random times. He was running pretty pretty hard in the beginning. I was stalking him and just trying to set it up, and then uh, about touched him on the outside and made him come in and when he came in I don't know he was going to try to work for a takedown or the clinch I don't know what he was thinking man there was if he was going for the takedown I must not have felt it just defended it uh easily it was the easiest money I ever got yeah I gotta tell you man you make you made it look easy that's for sure I mean uh obviously going into this last minute replacement moving up a weight you were the clear favorite to win, but, man, you did it in such, like you said, all, damn near flawless, pretty much flawless. And, uh, man, it was really cool to see the, the Muay Thai clinch in use. I feel like that's something that's kind of dying out in MMA these days. You know, we saw Anderson Silva use it. It became pretty popular after that. But I feel like in today's day and age, you don't see a lot of um, a lot of tie clinching, in particular uh, getting a knockout from that position. Um, I mean, man, definitely one for the highlight reel. My Muay Thai is, is phenomenal, man. It really is. I just he came to fight though. Reyes came to fight, or or he was trying to hide his head close to me. I think because of his black belt jujitsu, he was trying to protect himself by being close. And people aren't used to getting stricken so hard up close like that. I mean, I was rocking him with elbows in the clinch. I hit him with like three. There's two you can't even see me throw. They were just short and quick, boop, boop. And then I threw a third one, turned, and he opened right up. 
I hit him with another knee too, but it was uh, it was kind of gentle. I was just tossing it up there, touching him. Actually, two two left knees, I think, or because uh, I had him, I had my arm underhooked and my forearm across his neck, pushing him towards my left knee, and I just threw the knee up, uh, standing straight up to the outside of my elbow, and his face is right there. That one bumped him. You feel that stuff? Yeah. It's not. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. And then once I touch people, man, they just, they didn't know that it was going to feel like that until I hit them. And by then, or it's too late. Yeah, you know, unless they've done some extensive boxing rounds in the gym. Boxers spar differently. You know, they try to knock each other out sometimes when you're sparring, so. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the elbow because I remember I'm watching the fight go down live and I'm saying to myself, ooh, man, beautiful elbow there. You actually threw three, though, you're saying. Yeah, man. Damn. You gotta, you gotta watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'll have to watch and, it in slow-mo. And pay close attention, but the camera view, it was hard to see. Yeah, I'll have I to watch it in slow-mo, man. You snuck three of them in there. That's crafty. Uh, so yeah. you got the bonus for the win, correct? Yes. Yeah, performer. That's what they said. That's what they said. I don't get it for another 45 days. I'm just saying. So when it comes in, then I'll call you back. <laughs> really? It's delayed 45 days. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I know, uh, you know, you just bought yourself a beautiful home for you and your girlfriend. And I'd imagine, you know, uh, being a wise man, you'll, you'll uh, you know, make another great investment for your future with that money. But very happy to see that you got the bonus. Um I guess before we get into uh, before we get into the thing with Tiago, tell me a little bit about Alex, man. I mean, you got to give him props for coming in on just a couple days, moving up in weight, and uh, quite frankly, for saving saving the fight for you, correct? Yeah, I mean, he did it for the fans. He must uh, he, he really had some belief in himself. I hope he does well at 155. Um, it really doesn't matter to me at all, though. I guess does it? I did about as good as I could do the other night in all aspects, and um, I'm I'm more grateful to him for showing up and you know, poor bastard made a stupid mistake. No, <laughs> I mean he proved to other people not to do that shit, but uh, he had balls to do it. And what can I say? I don't think anybody will ever do that again. There was people talking shit on Twitter, other fighters, and other fighters maybe not talking trash, but trying to accept the fight. And uh, I would have had to have met them at 180 when I was already under 180. You know what I mean? Yeah. All all week long, I was 175. When I fought Alex Reyes, I only put on six or eight pounds. I was between 176. And maybe 178, but the last time I checked my weight, it was 76. It was whatever I gained the the last couple hours. So, I mean, that kind of goes along with uh, what you were telling me last week and in uh, weeks before that uh, this new nutritionist and, and everything that you're doing in regards to maintaining uh, your weight and focusing on those things when you're out of camp. I mean, that's clearly paying off, and uh, you're clearly fighting very close to walk around weight now, right? Yeah little bit closer. I don't know what I weigh right now. I'm interested to see. I've had quite an appetite, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's. I felt 
handle my own body weight so well. I can move very fast, very sharp every time hitting the pads and, and wrestling. Uh, the weight, you know, during training, they put bigger guys on me. And even with the gi on or not, grabbing that and using my own body weight to help against the bigger opponents have been making me stronger and a lighter weight. Even though I don't have the, you know, maybe 10 pounds more than I had before, I'm 10 pounds stronger than now that I'm 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, you, know, you definitely looked leaner in there than in times past. I will say that. That felt great. Yeah. Well, well, it was great for sure. good was the most important thing. Absolutely. Now, again, you know, with Alex, props to him for coming in. But leading up to this, I mean, when you initially got the news that Tiago was not going to take the fight or not going to make the walk, uh, what was your what was your reaction? And how, what was the percentage of this fight not even – you not even fighting on the card? I mean, when you were looking at it realistically, did you think that they would be able to find a replacement in such a short amount of time? I guess it was like a 50-50 chance, huh? Yeah. That's probably better odds than most people would have thought. The odds were probably like, like Alex Reyes came in at like a one percenter, you know? Yeah. Might have been a one percent chance of finding someone short notice on three days. I would have got, I would have got one quarter of the money that I'm going to receive for this. Right. So, so man, I mean, I'm grateful everything played out that way. You know, thankful to God. That that's God playing his part. That someone was out there willing to step up and fight like a man when a longtime veteran, you know, made excuses. So I'm looking for people who want to fight now. Yeah, you know, I saw, I saw that your initial reaction to the media was, you know, you didn't you didn't buy his excuses. I mean, has there been any contact between you guys, or has the UFC spoke to him? I mean, is this a fight at you, at this point now for yourself? Are you done with this fight? If it gets offered to you again, will you take it? Yeah. When they, listen, I'm talking to them about all types of names. They know that I'll fight anybody, show up anytime, anyplace, anywhere. They, I'm Alex Reyes ain't the only one who took a short notice opponent on three days. I'm just saying. Right. Right. And I will fight. I'm I'm down to show up, and I'm gonna do what it takes. I drove my dogs up from Florida to North Carolina to drop them off safely. I I let people stay in my house in Florida because they evacuated from down south. And I flew from my girl's parents' house to Pittsburgh, stayed more than a week. More than a week's time I was in that hotel, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was away from home for a while living on food that I could find, uh, and I had to cut weight and work out every day, and, you know, I had to plan it right. So I made the adjustments, and that that was a mental victory for sure. Technically, I feel I've already beaten him. I would have done that to him that night. I would have cared. And, you know, it's better. He might have. Oh, man, I, he might have taken a little bit. So I would have had more fun, and I would have and hurt him. I would have ruined Tiago because he was too tough for his own good. You know what I mean? He would have taken an ass whooping before I knocked him out. 
Yeah, and it sucks because this was one, I mean, we talked about it before. Myself, I know all the fans, that was one that, it was the people's main event. I mean, everybody knew that it had the potential to be a war with a crazy stoppage, and uh, I agree with you, man. But I guess it, it's cool to hear that that you're still willing to fight him, but uh, you're right, man. Everything that you had to go through to make that fight They might night, as well sign up two opponents on, for, for the same night, pay me four times, win show, win show, because I could have fought Alex Reyes, Tiago Alves, and... Any other motherfucker they wanted to throw at me that night. I felt so good Saturday night. I could have definitely fought more than one time. So you're saying that that confidence was was really coming off of the mental victory of all the bullshit you had to go through to actually make it to fight night, correct? No, it was. It's not that either. It was. The, I was confident because I had prepared. I was in the best shape of my life. I worked my ass off doing training and I had three different coaches that I paid to make sure and when I paid for something I use it I was at training every day three times a day with different coaches doing different things all the time every day work 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 but it was fun I was having a blast and I mean I'm just I'm one of the best athletes man Dude, I'll tell you, like like you said, uh, whether it be God's plan, whatever the case is, the stars are aligning for you, man. They have been all year, and even more so, uh, you know, looking forward to 2018 now. But uh, real quick, to stick with Tiago just for a second, that post-fight chicken dance you did, which I, I must say was, was very funny, was that directed at Tiago? Man, I just... Yeah, I guess you could say that. He definitely was a chicken. I, I have been saying long before... Uh, long before we fought, I had been practicing that dance, telling my girl I was going to do that when I went in the ring, and uh, <laughs> that I was going to do the rooster dance like that, just because it was funny, I had been doing it, and uh, it's like a cockfight thing a little bit, right. and I was going to turn it into one, and you know, I can, it's martial arts too, I can be all animals in there, I can be a tiger next time, we'll see, you know. Well, I, I just found it funny. I, I mean, I know you're uh, a guy who, who who enjoys life, loves to laugh, stuff like that, and I just saw your reaction afterwards. Clearly you were having fun in there, uh, you know, from the fight to the post-fight as well. Um, but as you said on the show, man, there's a ton of guys you want, but one of them in particular that you've mentioned a few times is Robbie Lawler. Saturday you officially called him out on the microphone in front of the world. Uh, was that the plan all along? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to fuck this dude up and then call out Robbie Lawler because he's number one. And I'm letting one number one and the champ know. I said the top ten, too, you know. it's Of course, I'm against the whole division. I'll fight any one of them just like they would say that they would fight any one of us. But we all know that my chances of hitting somebody in the head and wobbling them are much greater than anybody else's in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, your knockout power has been evident. Your record speaks for itself. And, uh, I mean, kind of just... have the third highest uh, knockdown rating in the UFC history right now? Really? Per minute. Third highest per minute in UFC history. Well, and that's only sure to increase as time goes on. Oh, number one's coming, baby. <laughs> so, listen, the fight with Robbie, 
that'd be awesome for the fans. I mean, even more so than everybody thought, like, with Tiago. I mean, a fight with you and Robbie screams fireworks to me. Uh, that's his style as well. Um, but, I mean, aside How from... about the Cowboy? Right. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but aside from rankings and, and the style matchup, is there anything specific about Robbie that makes you want to fight him? I think he'd fight. Yeah. I think, I think he'd show up and stand in the middle and punch me in my face or try at least try just like I'm going to do to him. So, mostly a style matchup for you. I mean, I know you're all about going out there and putting on exciting fights, but not only would it get you the things that you want in the rankings, but it, it is a style matchup thing for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, definitely. You know, I want to fight. I want to fight a great kickboxer, too. Somebody, I'll fight Wonderboy, too. I mean, he's a fantastic kickboxer, but I think I would overwhelm him. Yeah, I mean, looking forward, man, there's so many great matchups for you. I mean, Wonderboy, honestly, your skill set against anybody in the top ten, I would love to see. But I'm wondering, uh, to, to stick with Robbie here for a moment, I know that the UFC loves your loves a guy of your style, makes a call-out, exciting fighter. I'm wondering, are they on board with this fight? And, like, are they eager to, to, to potentially put this fight on? Have you heard anything from them? I know you're talking, uh, you said you were talking to managers today. I mean, is, is it looking like that fight, that fight is a likelihood? Not right now. It doesn't look like that fight is uh, going to come to fruition right now. And, um... That's understandable. I have more work to do. But I let them know. I'm letting everybody know. And I think they understand now that this ranking system and whoever has the belt, to me, does not matter. They know that I will pick up the phone. If asked, I will say yes to whomever, whenever they need me to be there. Signed on the dotted line, I'm going to show up, be like a true professional, handle my business, and um, just keep climbing the ranks. They know that in due time, it's it's um, it's inevitable for me. Yeah, it'll become undeniable for sure. Uh, but you mentioned it there, you know, taking a fight on three days' notice. I know you'd be willing to do the same. I guess it sounds like you're officially kind of putting your hat in right now for any uh, anybody that pulls out of a of a high profile fight at 170. You know, looking forward in the next couple months. Definitely, and uh, I'm gonna stay close to weight. I'm gonna stay in shape. You'll see. I'm gonna do a little weightlifting. And uh, I haven't lifted weights in a little bit. I'm gonna do a little bit. See how I feel with uh, my, adding that in my mixed martial arts. I had some injuries and things. I stayed away from lifting because of my back. So feeling pretty good. Going to get back to the chiropractor too and continue my exercising there and uh, get ready for a last-minute phone call. Hell, if they wanted me to fight GSP at 185, I'm telling you, man, Reyes inspired me too. Shit, taking that fight three days' notice like that, if the numbers are right, I'll show up. <laughs> I, have no, I have no doubt, man. I have no doubt. But, you know, you talked about uh, little nagging injuries there. I'm wondering, was there anything throughout this camp? I mean, are you are you injury-free here? I mean, how quickly would you like to get a fight, maybe not a last-minute replacement, but, I mean, how quickly 
would you like to get back in there? Is a card in mind? Maybe Madison Square Garden? I mean, how quick do you want to get back in? I would fight today. I would fight tomorrow. I would fight the next day. I can do it whenever. You're never truly injury-free. You can you can get a cramp and pull a muscle in a second, no matter how in shape you are. You do one thing wrong with a little oxygen in your muscles, some tears, rips, and strains, and you're hurt before you know it. So it's just a matter of being smart and uh, having a strong mindset, being focused. And I'm focused. So I can do it. As soon as they call me, I'm ready for anything, man. I swear. Well, I hope it's sooner rather than later, my friend. I know everybody enjoys watching you fight. And uh, as I said, the stars are certainly aligning for you. Uh, But I wanted to change gears here for a moment. Uh, Last week, I spoke to you earlier last week before Tiago had pulled out and before a couple other things had happened as well. Uh, I ended up having Kobe Covington on the show later that week. I uh, spoke to him later that week, and this was after I noticed you guys had gone back and forth on Twitter a bit here. Um, you know, I asked him to address it. Of course, he had a bunch of trash to talk about you, but in in fairness and, you know, being good to both you guys, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to him uh, in regards to the, the beef you guys were having on social media last week. Yeah, fuck him. Get past Damian Maya first. And I already said, I already told my manager... Uh, yo, if he gets past Damian Maya, what's up? Tell him to turn around. Let's fight in December. I don't know if that's too quick of a turnaround or what. But if you want to get this money, let's go. I mean, if one of them pulls out, I'll stay ready. They know they can call me. Watch. If some shit happens in the next month, dog, I'll take some shit. I'm gonna stay ready to fight. Short notice, like I said, I'm gonna do the same shit. I'll even be ready for a, a three day notice, one seventy. Call me. <laughs> you are the I'll man. I'll fuck Kobe Covington up. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as rankings go, I know they don't matter, and, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of politics involved these days. But, I mean, as far as the climbing the ranks up to those high-profile number one contender fights, a fight with you and him would make a lot of sense, in my opinion. Uh, clearly, I know it's a fight you would like to take. Um, I'd imagine that, given the scenario, he would he would take it as well. Um but, man, but where, where did it all start? Where did the no Twitter beat start? I mean, like his little bitch ass. Where? Kobe Kovacic ain't got no fans. <laughs> I know you were talking about uh, nobody wants to watch a guy hug for however long, but uh, wh- where did the beef start, man? I mean, for me, it was just kind of out of nowhere on Twitter. I see you guys were going back and forth. Who who initiated it? Uh, he did at my debut. Because I was in the back, and he said, listen, it's initiated because he fights at 170 pounds, and he, he's doing well, and he thinks it, he's a contender, but he ain't fought a puncher, and I'll get past all that hugging shit, because at my debut, he fought on Fight Pass on Vegas, when I fought on you Lim, and said, oh, uh, any 170-pound fighter. And I was, like, in the back watching. I was like, oh, that's me. And I don't even think I watched this shit until, like, the end. I knew he hugged him the whole time. They were like, move the fight. And it looked like a slow-motion dance. <laughs> and uh, I knew. I said it right then in the after view, uh, after views. The interviews after, I was like, well, I think Kobe Kobe just said any 170-pound fighter uh, he could beat. So, that's me. 
and I'll whoop your ass. Ever since he heard me say that, he talks shit. But they don't offer it to either one of us. Yeah, it's strange, you know, because like I was saying, the, the UFC loves when guys start this, uh, this, I guess, uh, homegrown kind of uh, controversy and you know between each other. And and when guys call another guy out, the UFC loves for you guys to do the matchmaking for them. Um, so if it's been going on that long, it's it seems strange that you guys haven't crossed paths. But you know, maybe in the it's future, like you said, we don't have enough people paying attention to the beef. Maybe more people need to know that it's real. Well, the that, that's at the end of the day, it's what people gonna go pay tickets to see. So, you know, we yeah. gotta do a better job of hating each other. <laughs> well, my man, I've always said you've been uh, you've been a damn good marketer of yourself so far. But listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I know you got another interview coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, so, looking back on it, crazy week could have gone terribly wrong. You had a great performance, got a bonus. The future is bright, my friend. Um, aside from Robbie Lawler, I mean, who, who's who's going to be next, and and when do you want it to be? I mean, will we see you fight twice before year's end? Um, hey, you could be. If they call me, I will sign. I will fight. And if not, I definitely know I want something by December, but other fighters got to say yes as well. That's the truth. That's the truth. So nothing nothing in regards to the managers, nothing on the horizon, just kind of feeling things out for now. Are we looking at um, Las Vegas or Detroit in December? Oh, that's right, man. Detroit, that would be perfect for you. I, I'd imagine you got a big push for that card then. Yeah, definitely. Uh, every, a lot of people want to see it. A lot of people want to see me back home. And... Um, if we can make it happen, we will. If we can, we will. Oh, I certainly hope so, my friend. I know that would be uh, that would be great for you and all of your fans back home, and uh, only seems right to me. So I guess, listen, in conclusion, what can all the Platinum Mike, Ferry fa- Mike Perry fans expect, hopefully in Detroit in December? What's, what's the next victim, and uh, how's it going to end? Oh, I think we know how it's going to end. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a head kick or a submission. Maybe we'll get that in there. You never know with me. I can finish a man anywhere, so. But, you know, I look forward to it. I hope that you do as well, all you people out there. I hope you look forward to seeing me fight again. If you have any, um, if you have anything that you would like to see me do, uh, write it down, put it in your drawer. And uh, keep it to yourself. Okay? <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, hey man, greatly appreciated. Uh, any shout outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Shout out GNG Roofing. Shout out Fit Meals Moment and uh, Alpha Authentic. Shout out Platinum Princess Official. Follow me on Twitter. And at Platinum Perry, follow me on Instagram at Platinum Mike Perry. And uh, shout out to all, all the people who saved their dogs in the hurricane. 
For sure, man. I know that was that was one of the most heartbreaking things for me to watch. But listen, we greatly appreciate the time. As always, my man, another great performance. Looking forward to the bright future ahead, and hopefully we catch up before the next big fight, my friend. You have a wonderful evening. Yeah, you too, bro. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right, Penn Nation, we're going to waste no time. We're going to jump into things, but there's going to be a slight change. I'm going to change the uh, guest list order. So up next, we're going to have Jorge Masvidal. As I said, great conversation with him. Uh, we're going to we're gonna preview the upcoming fight, UFC 217, with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We're going to talk Michael Bisping, Triple G, a whole bunch of stuff, USADA, John Jones. We cover it all with Jorge tonight. Great interview. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. And again, my apologies for the uh, for the chaos in the beginning of this of this episode. However, that's how it goes when you're doing it live, folks. So up next, Gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. This is BJPen.com Radio, the Fighter's Voice. All right, Penn Nation, the real is back. Please welcome one of our one of our favorite guests, the entertaining and authentic badass you've all come to love, Gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, what's going on in the life of Game Bread right now? What's up, man? Pleasure to be back. Uh, still getting adjusted to this Hurricane Irma, you know? It was um, a devastating blow. I just got power today, so I've been on a mission, man. Wow, yeah, you know, that was going to be my next question for you, man. Um, greatly appreciate the time, as, as always, and with all the stuff I wanted to cover, uh, I, had to, I was going to ask about Irma. Uh, it sounds like you just got power back on. That's a good thing. Uh Kobe had told us that you got out of Dodge with your family, uh, but I'm wondering in regards to damage, I'm hoping everything was minimal. Uh, yeah, the, a couple things that, that hurt, you know, but uh, the main thing that hurt the most is my mango tree that would give us a large amount of mangoes. It's a large tree, man. It's on my IG video, actually. You can see it, it got ripped from the roots. So no more mangoes. Ah, uh, man, that's a bummer, huh? Yeah, I mean, bro, easy. Give us the 60 to 100 mangoes every freaking summer, easily, you know? Wow. So it, it sucked. That that one hurt. About... Especially my kids love them, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, aside from that, the kids are well. Everything everything was okay. Oh, aside yeah, yeah, yeah. The, thing, the things that matter, yeah, everything is good, man. Yeah, how about the, I, I meant to ask as well, how about the, the pets, man? The, the dogs and whatnot, everything cool there as well? Yeah, I took my dog with me, man. I don't mess around. That's my that's my boy, man. Right. I don't blame you, brother. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I hope Maria steers clear of all you guys now. Uh, man, that would that would suck to get to get hit double time. But uh, glad yeah. glad we're, everything. We're used to it out. though down here. So listen, man. UFC 217. It's approaching. Um, it'll be here before we know it. How has training been for you so far? Aside from all of this uh, stuff going on with the hurricane. Huge hiccup with the hurricane because I had to take off. You can imagine it. The long hours of driving and getting to a place where, you know, training really wasn't set up for me out in Tennessee or nothing like that, you know. So those, those couple of days, it was it was just me doing road work and push-ups and things like that, you know, just staying active. But aside from that, everything is good. No injuries, ready to ready to do what I got to do. Well, I guess at least it's it, you could be kind of thankful that it happened so early on rather than in the middle of your camp or towards the end of camp, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, if it would have happened in the end of camp, I would have done things probably, like, differently. I probably would have not. Have, uh, is that the team? Marcus? 
I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have drove. I probably would have put just my family on the plane. And I would have stayed behind instead of driving them out there. You know, I just wanted to be with them. But like, if another one was to come now, I'm just putting them on the plane and sending them off. You know. Yeah, I can. Only, I, I mean, I saw the pictures of the traffic. That must have been insane, man. Um, well, it took me 18. A drive there would take nine hours. It took me close to 18 hours just to get to Georgia. You know, it was it was madness, man. You had all the five million Floridians. They estimated evacuated, along with uh, with Savannah, Georgia, getting evacuated as well, going from the east to the west. So it was it was madness. Wow. Oh man. I mean, all the images that we saw on TV up here. I mean, I have family down there, but they're not nearly as close to where most of the devastation was like yourself. Um, but again, glad, glad all is well. So you've been calling out wonder boy for a while, man. Last time we spoke, uh, you were hoping he would be cleared to train and, and he accepted the fight on social media. I'd imagine that you're very satisfied with this matchup becoming official. For sure. For sure, definitely satisfied with this matchup becoming official, man. I can't wait. I uh, I don't know if he's the number one contender still, but uh, that was the main reason why I wanted this fight, you know, because he was the number one contender when I asked for the fight. Uh, he has a draw with the champion that a lot of people feel he won. So it's it's definitely a fight that is going to push my career where it needs to be, and that's fighting for the strap, you know, nothing but. Yeah, this fight is, is so important for the division and even more important for yourself, as you're mentioning there. You know, getting back in the win column, that's one part of this, but it's another opportunity for you to claim your spot as the next challenger for Woodley when he returns. Uh, tell us a little bit about the importance of having a great performance here against Wonderboy. Oh, man, it's, it's it's all on the line. I I have to not have a good performance. I have to have a great performance. I have to win in devastating fashion. It's the only way to do it, you know? Now, with a dominant win, you should be next in line, uh, and, you're, and you're obviously the best candidate for a title shot already, in my opinion. Um, but as we all know, rankings, they don't mean much these days. I'm wondering, do you have any doubt that you'll be fighting Woodley after defeating Wonder Boy in dominant, dominant fashion? Uh, I don't have doubts in my mind. I, I think it, it would just be due fair, due process. I mean, a lot of other guys that could fight him would be rematches, and nobody wants to see a Wonder Boy Woodley. Nobody, you know? Yeah. Nobody wants to see him uh, do that fight against Robbie. Who knows, you know? But they, but they already fought Damian Maya. Nobody wants to see that rematch. So I have a lot of good things going for me that, that I'll be the fresh blood in there. I'll be a complete different style that nobody's seen a matchup against and that matches up very well as far as action goes, you know? Yeah, you're definitely the prime candidate, as I mentioned there. But I'm wondering, has the UFC, uh, has there been any talk, any talk with them about a title shot with the win? You know, it seems like it, it – no, not at all. No, not like uh, officially, like they read it on paper. Not, those are the only things. Like when I get asked that question, like, has the UFC told you this or that? Yeah, they've said things. And and uh, from different people, different accounts, you know, saying, "Oh man, a win here would be spectacular for your career and would do great things." But if it's not on paper, I don't, I don't take any of that serious, you know. Well, it seems like it'd be a really stupid move by the UFC not to take advantage of having you fight Woodley next, you know, especially considering the landscape of the division right now. Doesn't seem to be a real clear contender, and as you said, the matchup is fresh, and quite frankly, you put you would probably be the most exciting matchup to push Woodley into a great fight. Oh, definitely, you know. And, uh, I mean, me and Willie have worked out plenty of times together, so we both know we're going to get after it, and it's not going to be an easy night for nobody. We're going to have to get after it and, and, and just go to war, you know. Absolutely. Now, in previous conversations, uh, you were very confident in the stylistic matchup, and, uh, you know, you felt you were a terrible matchup for, for Wonderboy Thompson. But I'm wondering, do you have any plans to bring in any special par uh, sparring partners to mimic that karate style? 
Oh, definitely. We, we, we got a couple guys lined up already. That their expertise is karate that I'm going to bring him in just to help sharpen up my tools. It's a different look, you know. It's you, you fighting a Muay Thai guy, it's, it's different than a karate guy. It's different when you're fighting a jiu-jitsu guy that has good takedowns than when you're fighting a wrestler, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So those are things that you got to zero in on and just see it as much as possible before the fight. Now, we've shown some weaknesses in the two fights with Woodley and, and one's previous from there as well. Um, but he's also shown some resolve. Uh, you know, when you look at the, those two fights... Uh, against Woodley and Thompson's career overall, what kind of holes are you seeing? Uh, the holes that I see, well, the, the, the moments of inactivity, you know, where they're just like, where nobody was really doing nothing, one was waiting for the other to counterattack. Those, those are moments that I could, uh, that I could bring to my advantage, you know, that I could do a lot of things with, you know, and that's what I'm hoping to do is just not have those stalemates, those defensive stalemates, just get in his face and, and keep it there. Yeah, you know that. Let him breathe. Yeah, he he seems pretty tentative and not willing to engage if if he isn't working the counter striking. Uh, I know you're going to pressure him right from the start of the fight, but do you have any concerns of him possibly not engaging and going for that point style karate game plan that we've seen in the past? I that is that is our number one concern is that he gets on his bike because he's pretty good at getting on the bike and just keeping it a stalemate, you know, keeping it at that outside outside distance. I don't I don't want that to happen. Not just for me, but for the fans' sake. You know, we're Madison Square Garden. We're we have to throw down. That is the arena of warriors. The the blood, guts, and tears that have gone through that arena. Just for that alone, we have to put on a show of shows. You know, greats like Roberto Duran won his first world title there. Ali Frazier number one happened there. It's like what the fuck? You know, if you're ever gonna die in an arena, that's that's probably one of them to choose. You know, to go out and you know, give it your all. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the the importance of this fight in that regard as well, that was something I wanted to touch on here in a moment. But I know you love to knock guys out. I'm sure he's very aware of your power and your striking skills. But I'm wondering, could we possibly see you exploit his ground game in this fight, or will you just be looking for the KO? I'll tell you this much. I'm a fighter. I'm not I'm not a striker. I'm not a grappler. I'm a fighter, and, and I do what it takes to win. You know, I've, I've invested so much into the sport that every every path that this fight could take, I'm better than him at, you know? There's maybe just one range that he that he that he's better than me at, and that's the psychic range. Yeah. That's it. After throwing psychics, it's all downhill from there because I could I could shoot, I could punch, I could knee, I could elbow, I could fight in all the ranges. What I've been doing my whole life, you know, I've I've dedicated my craft to this. He dedicated his craft to kickboxing and karate and then eventually switched on over. I got a lot of experience in places he's never even been in. Not even in practice has he been put in those spots yet, you know. So I'm just eager to get my hands on him. Yeah, I have no doubt that you'll shine in this fight, my man. And and like you said, what a better place to do so than in Madison Square Garden. Give us your thoughts on being able to compete in, in what used to be the mecca for combat sports for so many athletes before you. Like I told you, it you know, I don't I don't care about uh what performer perform where or like rappers or things like that, but when we're talking about Roberto Duran, when we're talking about Ali Frazier things like that, that boils my blood, you know, those are fights that I saw as a kid, and I was like, wow, and then when I joined the sport, I had put down Madison Square Garden as one of the arenas that I will fight before my career is over, say Thomas Arena was one of them in Japan, check, Madison Square Garden, check, I got a couple other ones that, that, I, that I got to fulfill my career before it's done, but um, th- this is definitely one of the biggest moments of my life, just the arena alone, let's say nobody was there, we were just me and him in that arena and our coaches, it would still be fucking huge to, to compete in that same arena. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. That's a cool perspective on it. But you mentioned a bucket list there. What, what other arenas are on that bucket list? 
I would like to fight in uh, L.A., man. I got a lot of fans out there. I got a, the, right? I got the Latin community out there, maybe Staples Center, you know, something like that, you know, but wherever my Latin people can reach out to me. There's a lot of places in Latin America that I, that I would like to hold fights at, you know, like at the soccer stadiums that they have, they're the huge ones. Yeah. I would love to do that. Get, give, give back to my Latin community before my career is done, you know, something that I really haven't been able to do, and I would love to be able to do it in person, in the flesh, you know? Like the biggest soccer stadium that they have in Mexico, send me over there. The biggest soccer stadium that they have uh, in, in, well, not, not in Puerto Rico. They don't have soccer there. But whatever stadium they got in Puerto Rico, send me over there. I'll go fill those seats up ASAP. Yeah, I, I have no doubt you have an incredible following in the Latin community. But uh, last time we spoke, I think you had mentioned something about doing an event for the UFC. It sounds like as things are progressing here, you are starting to get to connect with that Latino community a bit more, though, right? Oh, definitely. My, my Latin fans have been there from, from the start since the moment I stepped onto the streets and, and I embarked on this journey. They've always been there with my wins or losses, so they're, they're always very dear to my heart, you know. I mean, I'm going to speak at the end of the day, you know. I might speak good English, but I didn't learn English till I was like 12 years old, so I grew up in the Latin community. I'm still heavily involved in the Latin community. Yeah, well, and another big win uh, coming up at UFC 217. I have I have no doubt you'll only gain a ton more fans there as well, but Listen, speaking of this card, it's stacked. A lot of great fights on there. Should be a great show. Uh, but it's being headlined by a guy that I know you're not a big fan of. Uh, I know you're focused on yourself and the task at hand on fight night. Uh, but being that you're on the same card as Bisping, you know, you told me that about the run-in you had with him before at UL's fight. And I'd imagine you're going to have to see him a lot on the week of UFC 217. Have you put any thought to that at all? Oh, for sure. I've already thought about that nervous little bitch and what type of nervous activities he's gonna be getting himself into. You know, he he he's not a man, bro. When I when I tell you like, if me and you got a problem, and I wait till all my friends and your friends are there, and then I address that problem, when we could address it ourselves, like man to man, face to face, you're not you're not a man. You know, he he's doing things only when the cameras are around for show business for likes. Or when he knows that Joel can't get his hands on him or I can't get my hands on him. Like, be a man. Say all that shit behind closed doors to my face where we could actually throw down if we have to throw down. If we can't resolve it talking, well, then we got to do what men do, and that's put up the dukes, put your chin down and get the war, you know. But he's a punk. He does shit. He ripped up this guy. Our flag, the Cuban flag, when there was more security than there is in the White House, in the building, because yeah. he knew nothing would happen. No matter what, he knew nothing would happen. He could do the dumb shit like that, just like spitting in, in, in those people's corners. Those are the things that in my mind I go, man, th this guy's nothing but a punk. You know, who does that? Who spits on people? And on top of that, who spits on people's corners? What could they have done? <laughs> I know it. I know him? it. You know what I'm saying? Well, we talked those about... Those things to me that he, he's, he's, not a, he's not a man. You know? Yeah, and, we, we talked about this last like time. That, you know, you were, you were talking about him him spitting on the corner. I, I think you said, like, oh, man, like, what did they bang your girl? Come on, what is the need to spit on somebody's corner? But, you know, you told me about the run-in with him at UL's fight, the Cowabunga dude, all that jazz. It didn't sound like he was, like you said, it's all show for the cameras. But, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to do a lot of media next to this guy all this week. I mean, have you considered what's going to go down at maybe the press conference? I'm kind of looking forward to that. Maybe he, you know, oh, I, goes I, off I at the mouth. I envision it. He's, yeah, he's just going to go off at the mouth because he's going to have 500-pound gorillas next to us that are getting paid top dollar just to make sure that I don't break his face before the fight. So, guaranteed he's going to run his mouth. Guaranteed he might even try to get physical knowing. That hey, no matter what happens, it's gonna get stopped. Ha ha ha! I made a lot of people click on the on the clickbait. Masvidal all and Bisping get into a brawl. That that's the type of shit that he's looking to do, you know? Cause he's yeah. just a hoe. That's why we're hashtagging him heavy 
post slap season because he's the leader. <laughs> he's he's the leader of the pack of the hoes. You know, <laughs> ho slap season. I love it, man. So that being said, who are you picking for the fight between Bisping and GSP? Uh, is that I, I'm I'm and you know don't accuse me. Don't don't. I don't want people to think that I'm accusing GSP of doing anything. It's just I haven't seen him post Usada. So I don't, I don't know who's gonna show up because I, I don't know if it affected him or not. I'm not saying it did or it didn't. It's just I don't know. So I really don't got no prediction for that fight. Nor yeah. do I really care, you know. Yeah, I mean those those pictures came out of his like distended belly. People were throwing around all kinds of accusations and whatnot. But oh yeah, no, but pictures are pictures. I mean maybe the guy went to Thailand for a month, pigged out. You know, th- th- those yeah. things really don't matter. I mean that you get fat. Nobody's gonna be in perfect year-end shape, especially with no fight. But the thing is that USADA is around. And USADA, as we can all tell, has changed lives dramatically. Yeah. Has made from, from super soldiers to super hoes, you know? All these guys <laughs> that were they were looking like unbeatable Hercules, juggernaut type dudes, they don't look like that no more, man. They they first of all in the in the physical eye test you could see that they're not the same person, you know. And um I get tested quite often. I just got tested right now and the USADA agents were over at my house and they were telling me like how crazy, man! Because at the beginning, I, 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 we were talking. And I told him, man, there's, there's a lot of people doing this, and as you keep doing this, you're gonna see body styles change. And the dude came up to me. He's like, bro, it took about eight months, but you were so right. I'm seeing guys that look like GI Joe soldiers now. They don't look like that no more. They look horrendous. And I'm like, I told you, man. It's just, you know, it's fucking, uh, it's crazy what the juice could do to the guys, you know. And, and it's, it's good. It well, it's good to see that it's finally getting cleaned up and, uh. Absolutely, but what what's been bothering me is like the how quickly people claim innocence. They want the due process. That's all well and fair, but when you're like a repeat offender, for instance, like John Jones, what do you think of that scenario? I mean, does he deserve the due process? I think he does, but at the same time, to claim innocence so quickly, I mean, dude, you got a real big uphill battle going on, right? Definitely got an uphill battle. I I think no matter who the the offender is, except some special cases that we know. Like, let's say, like, a B. Torvel for certain guys, you know, they were just juicing their, their whole career. Then, you know, the due process, maybe we could skip it on some of these guys. But on most parts, you need a due process. It, it's just, John's case, I think, is special because he was on USADA, and he's number, I think, three or four most tested athlete. I, I, I think he got tested in one year, like, 12 times yeah. for blood and piss or, or all those things. So he passed all these tests, and then the test, that, the day that he knew he would be getting tested, he pops, you know, so it's it's not that it that makes him innocent or guilty. It's just it's tricky, you know, like, man, you pass all these tests and then you did something that day. It's weird, you know, I don't. Yeah, you make a great point there. You make a great point there. If you pass all these drug tests. And all, the other, and, and all those other tests are random, you know. So it's, I just want to see the, what I want is a definitive answer on, on everybody's case. Not just, not just John Jones. What, what I don't want to see, because this, I think, the only thing bad about you, Sada, that I don't like is if you could get suspended for a supplement and they can prove that that supplement wasn't what that supplement would actually dirty them guys shouldn't be getting suspended for that if you could actually prove this supplement that i bought that i told you guys i was taking and you guys said it was okay came back dirty well then we shouldn't get in trouble i agree with you especially if they go and take all those samples from various locations to test the batch of the sample i mean to test the batch of the supplement i mean you're right you should get a pass there absolutely now, if a dude does come back, hey, this guy did something that wasn't a supplement that enhanced your performance, well, then they need to hit him with the fucking book, whoever it may be, you know? Yeah. If, sure. if you can prove that somebody's dirty, then then one more can can you ask for. That's your side of the job to find out if these dudes are dirty or not. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, man. Um, but again, at the same time, it's good to see the sport cleaning up, no matter how long it's going to take, how many cheaters there are. Hopefully this all gets uh, sorted out eventually. But let's change gears here for a moment. It's been a while since we had you on the show. I wanted to talk boxing with you for a minute since uh, I know you're big into the sweet science. Firstly, what did you think of Connor and Floyd? Anything that surprised you at all there? And should Connor compete in boxing again? Uh, definitely surprised me, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him props, bro. He hung in there with what they call the best of our generation in in boxing. You know, um, I don't I don't uh, knock it. You know, he did pretty damn good. He actually boxed box. It wasn't like nothing weird that he was grabbing him, you know, punching him. He actually boxed box and and he did well for for a large part of the fight. You know, a couple rounds. You know, he did pretty well, especially in uh, like round one, round two, round three. He did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I guess a lot of that can be attributed to everybody saying, you know, uh, Floyd's style of that in that fight to, to press forward took a lot more shots than he normally would. But regardless of that, of course I want. No, and, to... and and Mayweather had to go to the basics too. You saw him put his chin down, hands up, and walk forward, which is usually he's in the in the pocket letting guys come at him. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but of course, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Triple G Canelo fight. I thought it was a great fight. Give us your take on the performance of both guys and the controversy of the draw. Uh, I I thought the fight was going to have a little bit more action, more blood, more blood and guts. I, I really thought somebody would get dropped at some point, you know? Yeah. Both of them have good power. Both of them usually get after it. So that was surprising. Not that there wasn't action because the action was good. But uh, it was uh, that, that was the only thing missing. I thought it would be a little bit more damage, you know? Obviously, the judging is... Whether you think another one or the other guy won, that lady that gave the 118, you know that she's paid. You know she got a gift basket with a lot of money in it. Those are things that that, that in my sport are happening, that have been happening in boxing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So crazy, man, all that stuff with Adelaide Bird. I mean, how can they justify, you know, sanctioning someone, licensing someone with so much controversy around them? My bad. Say it again, bro. No, 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 no problem. I was just saying that, that it was so crazy with Adelaide Bird, and I don't understand how they can license somebody with so much controversy around them. You know? No, it's nuts, man. Absolutely nuts, bro. And that's not the first time Buddy does it. Catch him. Right. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I don't, I don't understand those things. You know? And it, 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 I think you should go to jail at some point. You know? And baseball crazy shit happens to people. Guys doing steroids in baseball. Dying moms, all types of crazy shit like that. Why isn't the FBI coming down and the commission is supposed to regulate us? Why not? They're coming down on the athletes always. Every time they can. Somebody's coming down the door of an athlete. Why aren't they coming down on the fucking commission? You're telling me that lady should be walking around the streets and still doing her job? She should be put in jail for a month to teach the rest of these motherfuckers a, re- a lesson. You take that money, well, you might end up in jail. Right. Well, so well, it better be worth the money. It's an unfortunate world we live in, man. Money makes the world go around and... You see that all the time. Like you said, they're going after the athletes when in reality you should be going after commissions, sanctioning bodies, executives, things of that nature. But who knows? Maybe one day that will all change as well. But listen, getting back to MMA. No, it's got to change, man. I mean, how many more hits can we take of, of, of this magnitude, you know? Yeah, I agree. How many more controversial decisions that take away from the integrity of both sports? I mean, who knows? Maybe one day. But listen, getting back to MMA, we had Kobe on last week, and uh, as I mentioned – um, you know, we talked about the hurricane and whatnot, but I'm wondering, how do you think he's going to do against Maya, man? Well, I think he's going to smoke him, bro. You know, that's my partner, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet money on him. I don't know what the line is yet. I actually got to check. 
but I'm going to bet money on him. Kobe's just a good style. There's just a couple things that Kobe can't get involved in because Kobe's such a good grappler that he might want to engage in certain aspects. And I told him there's there's certain things that you should not do, you know, and, and that's go to the ground with him or even take him down, things like that. You know, Maya has a couple things that he does real well, and that's his half guard. It's, it's no secret, you know? Yeah. You see that time and time again in all of his fights. Everything, all the chains that he can put together usually start from half guard. So you're absolutely right there, man. No, that and taking, once he takes a back, I mean, man, it's, it's he has a world-class back-taking ability and world-class at keeping it because he automatically shuts down your offense, your movement, because the threat of submission is so high yeah. that you're just thinking defend, 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 or if not, you're going to get your jaw snapped, you know? And, and it's crazy. I've, I've fought in... Not fine. I'm going to say I've trained with the world's best in jiu-jitsu. And I can tell you this much, man. Damian Maya has one of the most scariest back controls because the whole time you're thinking your jaw might get snapped up. Once you feel that pressure and the type of pressure you can put in your jaw, I, I can't do regular escapes that I could on, on last guys. And those are things that we've been working on for the rematch is if I do get in that position again with him, be able to keep moving. You know, I wasn't able to move his legs, attack his feet with my hands because I was so worried about my jaw getting snapped up with the pressure that he puts, you know? Well, that's a really candid res- response, man. I think a lot of guys wouldn't uh, wouldn't be so willing to, to give him the credit that he's due on that squeeze. Uh, but we've seen it time and time again, even with one hand on Matt Brown. I mean, you could see Matt Brown knew he was in trouble until uh, Damien could get that second hand free to complete the choke. But um, that's a fight i definitely like to see a rematch with, man. You did very well against him, all of those things considered. And, uh, oh, that rematch is happening. Before my career is done, that's happening to a guarantee. That is no questions about it. <laughs> but listen, to, to, to stay focused on Kobe here for a minute, he's been tearing into Tyrone Woodley recently, man. Made headlines everywhere when he said he has dirt in him, skeletons in the closet, all that stuff. Do you feel the same way about Tyron, or is Kobe just doing a really good job of uh, you know, promoting and trying to get this fight? Um, you know, it's a complicated situation. Kobe's my partner, and I'm cool with, with Woodley, you know, and... Uh, he could say and do whatever he wants. He obviously knows things maybe about Tyron. I, I don't know what he knows and not knows. And that's really none of my concern. You know, if that guy kills somebody, I'd, I wouldn't be the one to ask because I wouldn't say shit. You know, I'm I'm just that type of person where I don't give a fuck about people's life. Like, I'm not going to or ever say anything either, you know. Yeah. So whatever skeletons Woodley has, shit, I don't know and I don't care about him, you know. This is about fighting, man, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I just It's just been a really fascinating thing to see how, how hard Kobe's gone after him. And as time progresses here, as long as he continues to win fights, that's eventually going to be a fight with a ton of, a ton of hype behind it that, that should get made. But, um, yeah, and, and obviously him and Kobe got, like, something personal. You know, I don't, I don't really have anything personal with anybody. No. I mean, my biggest personal thing would be now keep me convincing you know in, in my mind he was able to hold me down in positions i've never been held at so i, I i'll take that as like personal you know it, it, it hurts me you know so um yeah that's that's from my end you know but you know i i know kobe and him have have uh worked out together and he in uh woodley had brought him out to missouri I don't, I don't know for what fight but he had brought him out there so maybe over there they they, they caught some beef i really i really don't know we haven't talked about that too much yeah i don't blame you for staying out of it either man but listen, you've been more than generous with your time, as always. Greatly appreciated. Let's wrap up this bad boy. Um, UFC 217 going down November 4th, Madison Square Garden. Jorge Masvidal taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, obviously, Jorge looking to cement his place 
for the next crack at the strap. Give us your official prediction for the fight game, Brad. I'm stopping this dude, and it's going to be one of those stoppages that that are bad. You know, I'm going to stop him. It's it's not going to be a... Uh, it's going to be one of those fights where people are going to be like, man, they should have never allowed that fight to happen. Because I'm getting in there, man. I'm I'm getting after it. You know, I, I respect Wonderboy's skill set. Just like I respect everybody's skill set when they get in the ring. But I'm I'm coming home with this victory. I, I need it more than anything, you know. Um, I'm happy to compete against another striker, but I'm going to show once again that I am the best striker by a lot. You know, my defense is on point. My offense is on point. I'm going to make it all happen come November 4th. Well, listen, man, we're looking forward to the fight, as always, and you getting that long overdue title shot. Hopefully we can catch up again, uh, maybe fight week and when all the hard work is done. But listen, any last words for Wonderboy or, or maybe even Woodley for that matter? Um, I, I don't even need to say no words to those guys. Those guys know who I am. I'm, I'm just coming, man. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going nowhere, and I'm, and I'm here to compete, you know? All right, fair enough, brother. Listen, any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Thanks, all the praise and glory to God for keeping me safe during this hurricane. All this madness has been going around. I'm I'm happy, I'm safe, my family's good, so all the praise to God. Absolutely, man. Very happy for you there as well. God bless, and uh, let's hope you guys avoid Maria. For sure, we got we got to avoid that one. <laughs> and then I heard I I don't know I got to double check, but they told me that there was another one behind Maria too. So we've had Irma, Jose, Maria, and they said that there was another one. It was forming already, and it was like a tropical depression already, so who knows what that one could turn into. Oh, my God. I haven't even looked into that one yet. We're getting the rains from Jose right now, but Jesus, that's insane, man. Yeah, bro. It's, it's getting bad, man. All right. Well, listen. Stay safe. God bless, and, and I hope uh, everything's well with the family. Looking forward to the fight, my man, and having you on the show again next time. Oh, yeah. Let's do it, man. Thank you, man. All right, All right brother. Have a good day. There you have it, Penn Nation. <clears throat> there you have it, Penn Nation. Jorge Masvidal, great convo with him each and every time we have him on the show. Uh, probably my favorite guest at BJPenn.com Radio, and uh, big thanks to him for for coming on this week. So, guys, we're probably going to run out of time before the Alan Joban interview completes. However, uh, when it does get uploaded to the server, you guys will be able to uh, listen to it in its entirety. So I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into it. Up next, the Brahma himself, Alan Joban. Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the dashing, face-smashing UFC welterweight and co-host of MMA Heat Podcast with Karen Bryant. Of course, I'm talking about the Brahma, Alan Joban. Alan, welcome to the show, man. What's up in the life of the Brahma today? What's up, man? That was quite the introduction. I might have to uh, record that and require those for all of the, all of the, the guest spots that I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, uh, things have been good, man. Just just chilling. Uh, um, you know, I guess my last fight was I don't know now, almost two months or something. And uh, obviously, coming off of a loss, you're pretty bummed for a, a little while. But I tell you what, it was crazy because I fought in Mexico City. Obviously, I lost that fight. It wasn't the turnout that I wanted, but I'd already had made prior arrangements to uh, be in one of my friends' wedding, and uh, two of my friends, both of my friends, uh, the guy and the girl I do jiu-jitsu with them, and they get married. They were getting married, and so I was in the wedding. And so I had a like a 5 a.m. flight the next morning, so I didn't go to bed, flew back to L.A., was in a wedding around noon. So I, I ended up going from 
Mexico City, losing my fights, being pretty bummed out, flying home on no sleep, sitting in a wedding, <laughs> you know, like sitting in a wedding. And it was so many thoughts going to my head at the time, you know, because it's such a joyous occasion. But I was kind of dealing with my own little inner demons. You know, you have to have a couple of days to kind of, um, you know, to kind of like let, let, let the, the, the negative thoughts go out of your head after you lose a fight. But it was the best therapy for me to be honest, to be around, you know, a bunch of happy people and stuff that kind of was it allowed me to get it out of my system real quick and then move on. And so that's what I've been doing since then, man, moving on, getting better and uh, working on other stuff as well. Tell you what, that's definitely something I wanted to touch on a little bit later, uh, the loss to Nico and what's next for you. But as you said, staying positive, moving forward, you've got some pretty cool stuff on the horizon, man. Um, I know, I know you took this, you know, this interview on short notice and I greatly appreciate the time, but I was pretty stoked to hear that you'll finally be making your analyst debut for UFC Japan this weekend, man. How excited are you for this? Man, I'm 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 super excited. Thank you. It's um it's something I've been I've been working towards, you know, and and just off the bat, you know, some people were asking, Hey, did you retire? and congratulations on a new job. I just want to clarify. Uh no, I I, I did not retire for sure. I still got I still got fight left in me. Um, it's just a guest spot. So, um, they're having me on, you know, and, and, uh, giving me an opportunity. And, uh, but it's a big deal in my mind because it's something I've kind of quietly been working towards for a couple of years now. Um, you mentioned it, uh, in the introduction. I do the, uh, MMA Heat podcast alongside Karen Bryant for over a year now, a year or two, I guess. And, um, and, and she's, educated me on a lot of stuff when it comes to that, and it's led to other things. You know, I also do UFC Now uh, on UFC Fight Pass, and it's it's helped me to get a lot more shows and kind of work on my speaking skills and and how to analyze fights and break things down and and let the audience know how I truly feel. So with all that, you know, two years of kind of doing stuff in the making, um, actually the way this thing came about, I'm sorry to talk your head off about it, but yeah, the way this came about is the UFC was looking for some more color commentators. Obviously, Brian Stan just retired. Yeah. Um, he did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job for the for the while that he was there. But he had a lot of, you know, it's a lot. You know, he was gone for, I think you said, 26 weeks out of the year or something. Plus, he was, you know, full-time dad and had other uh, obligations. But they were, they were looking for more color commentators, so they brought in about 13 or, or 15 fighters, something roughly around there. And we all did kind of like a, a, a silent um, color commentary on some cards. And he narrowed it down to about three of us. And it was me, Eve Edwards, and um, Paul Felder. Oh, From wow. there, they ended up using, yeah, Paul Felder and Eve Edwards ended up getting the job. They've been working on the Contender Series and doing a great job. Paul Felder, in particular, um, did a really good job, so much enough that I think he, he did the last card, the Luke Rockwell card. He, they gave him a... a a chance on the main card to, to do some color commentary. So from there, you know, other guys are getting jobs. They're kind of bringing some new blood into the mix now that, you know, Joe Rogan is not going to be with us for that much longer. I think about a year ago, he said he maybe only has a year or so left in, in, into this, you know. Yeah. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised if next year was Joe Rogan's last year. He's already cut down a lot of the events that he does. So they're needing more guys. Brian Stan is now out. Um, and with that, it kind of, um, I didn't get the job for the color commentator, but it raised enough eyebrows for the guys over at, at Fox to have me in and give me this opportunity. So I'm grateful for it. 
Awesome, man. You know, you answered my next question perfectly there. You know, I was going to ask how this all came to fruition, but it sounds like they did a kind of uh, trial by fire. They just had you guys commentate live on a show. It didn't air, but then they narrowed it down to three guys. And, man, out of 15, being picked out of one of those three, that, that's got to feel pretty good. It did, man. It did. I mean, it was one of those things where they called and told me, look, we, you got to, like, the top so-and-so, three or five. But from there... We don't really have a reason why, but you didn't get it. But we thought you did a great job. And it was kind of one of these things like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no award or money for second place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> second place doesn't mean you. So I appreciated getting to the, the you know, the narrow margin uh, of few guys. But I was like, well, shit, this was my opportunity. I didn't get the job. And I've been, you know, I've been working at this for a minute. So it was a bit disappointing for a minute. But to get the call a little later on and say, look, we'd like to have you uh, be a guest analyst at the desk. That was, um, that, was, that was a great thing to hear, you know. Well, talking about fights and being an analyst, as you mentioned, all the work with Karen Bryan on the MMA Heat podcast, this is stuff that's already in your wheelhouse, and I have no doubt that, you, that you'll shine on Saturday. But tell me, man, what are the nerves like going into this? It, it is a bit nervous, and you know what? This is, this is some of the reasons why. Um, I mean, you're nervous. I would have been nervous regardless, um, you know, where the fight was, who was fighting. You know, you get on, you go into the Fox studios in L.A. and you get in front of the desk with all the bright lights and you're going live on TV. It's always nerve-wracking the first time you do that. But for me, this card in particular, it's a international card in Japan. It's a fight night. Not that many big, big names. Not that many American fighters. So what I'm getting at is if it would have been pay-per-view here in the States, and everybody on that car, you know, you know, they're all guys that are winning and a lot of Americans and familiar names. If DC's fighting John Jones, I don't need to go research John Jones. I know everything about him. Right. I can speak passionately on the topic. But when you have uh, a lot of Japanese fighters fighting Korean fighters and Filipino fighters, and some of them only have one fight in the UFC and they're making their debut, it then becomes your job to do the research, to do the work, to try to get as familiar as you can on these, on these guys that you don't really know much about, but you need to speak of on TV. So for me, that's kind of um, been some of the more most nerve-wracking part about it. So I got to, after this interview, actually, I got to go do a, a little homework myself and watch the fight. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about the homework portion of it, so you've answered that for me. But uh, I'm wondering, you know, this is going to be an in-studio thing, in Fox Studios. Who else is going to be on the panel with you? They have, um, so normally when they do these, it's usually two, two fighters, two analysts, and then uh, a Karen Bryant or a traffic cop type person, so to speak. But they're going to have three of us. It's going to be me alongside Bisbing and DC uh, with Karen Bryant. So it'll be a, quite a, a, a big and good panel. Um, it'll, be a, it'll be fun to, to work alongside two guys, two champions. Uh, in the UFC and two guys that have been doing this at the desk for a minute, so maybe I could pick up some things from them. Yeah, well, it's 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 a definitely a great opportunity for you to get yourself out there and and uh, you know it continues to build on the incredible marketability that you've had with the company and you know you've had for many years now. That's something I wanted to touch on in a bit, but I personally think this is a pretty awesome card. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about a bit of it, but first let's talk about the main event. You know, I was so bummed to hear that Shogun was off the card. Now Yushin Okami comes in to save the day against OSP. Give us your thoughts on that matchup. 
Yeah, Nishin Okami. This is a big opportunity for him and a great one at that. Not only does he get his second stint in the UFC, he gets to do it back in his home country. He gets to do it as the main event. And he gets to do it against a ranked fighter. You know, um, he's definitely got a, a tough challenge ahead of him. But if he's going to come back and he's going to have the best fight of his life, this is the time to do it. You know, he's going to do it in his home country, as I said. And if he beats o- Ovin St. Crew, all of a sudden he's in the top 10, top 15 back in the UFC. I suspect that he would probably move back down to his rightful weight class. He probably wouldn't stay at light heavyweight. But um, it's a great opportunity for him. Um, on the other side of it, the OSP, um, he's such a big light heavyweight. He's a really big guy. At light heavyweight. Um, uh, Okami is probably a middleweight, but to be honest, he's been fighting off and on at welterweight in in the World Series of Fighting. Um, And I looked up up some of his fights. Some of the guys he was fighting at welterweight, one of the guys he was fighting at welterweight was really a 55er fighting up at 70. Um, And in one of those fights, I don't believe that he even won. I had it going the other way, and then they gave him the decision. So... It's going to be a tough one, man. I don't think Okami has been fighting to the caliber of opponents that the UFC has, and now he's going to be fighting a guy that I don't know what Okami walks around at, but I suspect that OSP is going to have a good 20 pounds on him come fight day. So, um, And then, lastly on that, you got not only are you making your debut, but it's a main event, so you have a five-round fight on one-week notice. How, how much in a training camp? Was he? He fought eight weeks ago, so has he been training much at all? Has he just been doing it for fun? Has he been taking time off? Is he ready for five rounds? I, I, I don't I don't believe so. And is he ready for five pounds for five rounds if he's if he's rubbing shoulders, if he's um pummeling against a guy twenty, twenty five pounds heavier than him, it's gonna tire him down a lot. So it's a big challenge for him, but it would be a huge, huge upset if he can make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned there, it's tough to pass up that kind of opportunity to come back to the big show in your home country. It's kind of one of those situations where you got to take the risk and uh, come up and wait. But even then, I mean, at the same time, he is a big 185-er. Uh, but you're right, man. I mean, fighting at 170, fighting guys that are much smaller than him and, and those fights being competitive, he certainly has an uphill uphill battle here against uh, OSP. But the co-main event, very important fight for the women's strawweight division, very tough pick between Andrade and uh, Gedalia, in my opinion. Would you agree that it's a toss-up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you look at these girls, and uh, they're very similar. I mean, they're both Brazilian fighters, about the same height. Um, they're both kind of known for their their aggressiveness and strength. They're, they're very similar in my eyes. I mean, they're all, they're all subtleties that are different, but both of them are kind of more like boxing wrestler, aggressive, strong women yeah. that kind of overwhelm their opponents. Um, the small margin that I would see in the difference is, aside from Claudia Gedalia, uh, uh being the number one contender and and, um, and uh, her opponent, Jessica Andrade, being number six or four. I think I'm number four. But uh, Andrade is a purple belt. Claudia is a black belt. And Andrade has has suffered uh, has suffered a, a, a loss by submission a couple of times in their career. Yeah. So if it does go to the ground, these these girls are trying to take one another down. Um, 
is is androgynous and susceptible to the rear naked choke. She, she's got offense as well uh, from the submission game, but I don't know if her defense is as tight as Claudia's. Uh, and you saw in Claudia Gadelia's last fight, I can't remember exactly. It might have been Carolina. Uh, yeah, I believe. I, yeah, I believe she tapped out Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she got her in a rear naked choke within like a minute and a half of the very first round. Uh, super impressive victory. So she she knows how to when she sees that opening in the neck, she takes it. So I suspect that this will probably go the distance. It seems like one of those fights where it's just very closely contested, and it goes a decision. I'm kind of leaning towards uh, Claudia Gadelia taking that victory, but I wouldn't be surprised if she found a way to sink something on the ground and get a submission. Yeah, yeah, definitely a, a tough fight to pick just because it's kind of a strength versus technique bout, in my opinion. Andrade is such a bull, goes forward, throws heat, you know, and she's, she's shown that she can do that for, you know, even 25 minutes. So uh, definitely a great fight. But the rest of the card, awesome as well. Takanori Gomi versus Dung Hyung Kim could be a great fight. Uh, but the fight that I'm most excited for is the debut of Gokan Saki. You're a, yeah, buddy. you're a student of Muay Thai and a big fan of kickboxing. How do you think Saki's going to do? That happens to be my fight to watch on this card as well. Yeah, man, I'm so pumped to see Saki get in there. Um, the only thing is, man, like, we haven't seen him fight in a number of years. I think he's been out since, I think he's been out for like three years. It's been so, a while. It's been a while. It's been a while, and, uh, you know, we hear a lot of people talk about ring rust. We hear Dominic Cruz be very outspoken about it. We've heard other people. We've seen uh, Dominic Cruz come back after time off, get right back into it, didn't skip a beat, say there's no such thing as ring rust. We saw John Jones come back against OSP and not look that impressive and show signs of ring rust. In my, in my opinion, ring rust is uh, it's, it's relative to the situation, to the person who it is. They say some people... When they get in the UFC, those bright lights, there's nothing like the UFC bright lights, and it drains you, and some people don't perform. Well, other people shine bright, you know, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I was nervous to tell my UFC debut, but I got a knockout and knock a fight of the night bonus. So, you know, it, it works. It, it just it depends on who the person is, how it affects them. Um, what I'm getting at is it's been three years for Gokan Saki. How will he perform? But in my mind, this is a guy – who has 100 kickboxing fights, 80 wins, 60 knockouts. He's fought, he's been fighting the biggest, baddest men on the planet for his whole life. He's been fighting guys 30, 40 pounds heavier than him his entire life. Now he's fighting a guy much lesser skill, somewhat of a new sport to him, but much less skill. Who is, he's fighting a guy who's a good, a good kickboxer, but not to the caliber he's been fighting. Um, and, and he's predominantly a striker, so he's got to feel like, all right, I'm going into my first MMA fight, but I'm fighting another Muay Thai fighter, and this guy wouldn't be able to hang on the level that I've been competing. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping these guys stand and trade, man. I, I, I'm hoping and uh, Enrique, Enrique uh, De Silva doesn't decide to just go go crazy and uh, you know shoot the double legs the whole time, um, and we get to see a beautiful uh, boxing match. Yeah, well, I, I mean that would that would definitely be the safe route for Enrique for sure. Uh, but I said earlier this week to some of the guys on the team, you know, if Saki goes through some adversity in the grappling in this fight and shows that he can hang in that department and then gets a big finish, the entire 205-pound division better take notice. I'm sure you'd agree with that. I'm going to be smiling at DC across the desk if, if Saki sprawls a couple takedowns and then gets up and knocks him out because then 
Hey, I'm glad he's not in my division, man. I, I can sit there and reach on, but DC is the guy that's got to deal with that shit. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm just excited because he's got like, I, I just, I can just remember the first time watching him and kind of thinking, oh, okay, he looks not that in shape, and then he's super explosive, you know, super agile. And uh, I remember uh, who would they used to call him the uh, the Turkish Tyson. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's got that that Mike Tyson as type style it mixed to me almost with like a um i could be wrong on this but kind of like a james tony james tony was like a heavyweight boxer who had such good technique that it looked like he was just so easy for him and that's it, to me that's what he's a mix of uh james tony and mike tyson but you put in a bunch of bomb kicks in there spinning back heel kicks um the ability to clinch i mean he's he's, he's a very very high level striker who walks around at like 220 and was fighting the Ream at 265 back when they were fighting in K1. Yeah, and then let's just say the possibly enhanced Ream. I mean, he was huge for that. Yeah, well, yeah. huge. That, for that was uh, that was when I say the Ream. That's what I mean. Yeah, Uber Ream. <laughs> if it I say Uber Ream, I, I mean the the normal guy. The Ream is the superhero. Right, right. And I mean, the only reason he had to pull out of that fight or lost that fight rather is because he broke his arm or broke his hand or something. But exactly, I think it was a knee or a kick broke his arm in that first round or whatever, and then he tried to to, to bear through it. But um, yeah, man, I mean, that guy has fought Overeem, Tyrone Sprong, uh, Ernesto Hoots. I mean, Artem Levin. Or I mean, like you name the who's who in kickboxing, and he has fought and beaten those guys at some point in his career. Yeah. Um. It's exciting, man. I I would love to see. There's, there's so many different techniques. I don't know. I'm kind of geeking out on this shit. But I was. I've been watching a lot of his videos. Obviously, preparing for this. I've been excited for this as soon as I found out that they signed him. But then when I found out that he was on the card that I'm calling, um, I've been kind of geeking out on it, watching a lot of videos. And so I've been seeing all of his videos again, and and it's been reminding me that you know. He has that beautiful double left hook where he kind of goes to the liver, the head, or vice versa, the head into the liver. Yeah, and then yeah. he has good low kicks. And then he throws a spinning back heel kick out of nowhere, like to end the round a lot of times. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that later in the round. He throws that spinning back heel kick and lands it. Yeah, I mean, the left hook's there, as you mentioned. I mean, he throws them three or four continuously uh, in repetition. I mean, unbelievable stuff. As you said, incredible incredible debut for a guy like that very excited to see that and quite frankly i knew you were you were a big uh big muay thai guy so i figured this would be a great conversation to have clearly it was um (laughs) but uh now that we you know we talked about this in previous conversations i mentioned it briefly there earlier your marketability and how the ufc really wasn't taking advantage of it in my opinion this analyst gig makes me think that they're finally starting to see uh, your potential in that regard and move in that direction. I'm wondering, does it seem that way to you as well? I don't know, man. I I sure hope so. I really do. I really do that. I do hope that uh, that um, with fighting and with gigs outside of the cage, that the UFC starts to give me a little more of a push, or see that there's there's other routes that they could do, other things that they could do with me as well. You know. Um, it, like I said, it does feel like that, but I just do want to be transparent about it. Like, you know, they called me because, again, you know, they thought I did very well as a color commentator, but they went with somebody else. So they thought it would be good to have me uh, as a guest. And, you know, if you watch these uh, fight shows, they have guests all the time, you know, Tony Ferguson or this or that, or 
Um, so they, 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 you know, uh, Stephen Thompson, they, they always have like a new fighter once a month, try it out. And so I don't, I'm not, I'm not really sure if they're just uh, haven't given me a guest spot or if it's kind of an audition. But you know, I read, I read between the lines, and uh, I'm always looking to, to to progress in my career. So for me, it's an audition. You know, what I'm saying even if it's a guest spot, I look to go in there and uh, show my ability and knowledge on on the sport, my passion. That's really what it is. You know, when you do these things, you don't try to be Joe Rogan. You don't try to be anybody else. You, uh, it's like fighting. You trust in your knowledge. You trust in your instinct. But you just show your passion. You know, if you have passion for the sport, it shows through on the screen, and the people pick up on that. And, and I'm obviously passionate about fighting, and, and I just hope that uh, it shows that uh, during the. Well, listen, man. It should all go well on Saturday? I have no doubt that this should become a, a recurring <laughs> thing for Friday, you. Friday, actually. Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what, man? I. I I've been saying that to myself all week. I'm like, is it is it going down on Friday or Saturday? Because I know sometimes yeah, it's one of those weird Thursday weigh-in Friday fight cards. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh man! All right, so well, I'm guessing it's airing in the in the morning time in Japan on Saturday. Well, no, it's, so it's it's so yeah. Let me let me give you the details so your fan your, your viewers know as well because it is weird. So it's the fight is on Friday, not Saturday. It is airing at the normal time, you know, 5 o'clock prelim, 7 o'clock main card, if you're on the Pacific Coast time. And then um, it's not going to be on Fox Sports 1. It's going to be airing... Uh, yeah, FXX, I think, right? FXX, exactly. So I don't even know what channel that is, but FXX, not F, not Sports, Fox Sports 1. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I would have been bummed out when I went to go watch the fight on Saturday and it wasn't there, man. <laughs> I, I think they kind of flip-flopped, man, since UFC is on a Friday. Uh, the Bellator is on Saturday, I believe, this weekend. So this is a bunch of fights. And then there's ADCC as well this weekend in, like, Finland or something. So there's uh, there's all kinds of shit going on this weekend. Yeah, busy weekend for combat sports, that's for sure. But I, I do think that this could become a recurring thing for you, and, and I hope that the likelihood is that this could potentially become another career path for you, and I'm certainly looking forward to it, man. I hope that the Fox uh, execs bring you back for future events. But uh, I, let's change gears here for a moment. Stay, staying in the analyst role, just real quickly, I'm wondering what you thought of uh, Triple G versus Canelo. Man, I mean, first and foremost, it was just an amazing fight. It was such a great fight. Um, it, it really bums me out that, I don't know. I don't want to sit here and be like, it was crooked, it was fixed. Whatever the hell happened, they didn't need to do that. It didn't need to happen. I don't believe that this woman was that dumb that she gave uh, Canelo however many rounds. Um, yeah. But you know what? Okay, let me backtrack one second. I've been talking to a uh, – personally, I scored Canelo three rounds. I gave him three rounds, uh, like two in the beginning and one towards the end. Um, and I thought – Maybe four rounds would be a stretch, but I could see it. I, I, sp I spoke to my, my, my striking coach today, and he gave Canelo, he gave it a draw. And I was shocked. I was shocked. I was like, you give it a draw? And, I, and, and like, I, I picked Canelo to win, but I was like, I didn't give it a draw. Um, I haven't rewatched it. but so, so I do see that how some people maybe gave Canelo some more rounds. But to give him the fight, to me, is just crazy. But um, what I'm getting at is, if it was some 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 stage thing where, you know, or they paid somebody off, it was fixed, so that they, they could have a rematch. Like, they didn't need to do that crap. They, it didn't need to happen. It could have been 12 rounds to zero. 
unanimous decision, Triple G, and everybody would have spent their money to see it again because it was such a good fight, such a high-level fight. Absolutely. Two of the best guys in the world. And so I just, it bummed me out that they had to, like, tarnish that fight um, when it was so good just to try to rebuild a possible rematch. But, uh, yeah, the fight was amazing. Yeah, it seems it seemed to be a very, uh, very crooked thing and, and took away from a lot of the integrity of, of the boxing community. But, uh, as you said... Regardless of the outcome, I'd watch the fight again. It was a phenomenal fight. I can see a draw. I guess, you know, I've heard the argument for a draw. I, I, I wouldn't argue too much against that, but it's the Adelaide Bird scorecard that really sends, sends everything into a whirlwind and, and brings up all the controversy. So, a uh, very unfortunate you, you thing. Re- you, you rewatched it, and, you, and so you're saying rewatching it, you could see how, how did you initially score it? Uh, initially, man, I thought it was close, but I did lean towards Triple G. I, I, I couldn't tell you round by round, but I was, I would say a couple of rounds ahead right. for, for Triple G. Right, but like seven, five, eight to three. Whatever, yeah, something yeah. like that. Whatever. Or I might have been saying the wrong numbers. I might not have equated right, but uh, yeah, I get, yeah, that's how I was leaning, you know. Yeah. Definitely so, towards G. Yeah, I mean, just terrible way to take away any integrity and integrity from boxing and. Uh, commissions as well but listen uh to to move on here since we've got you talked a little bit about it earlier of course i gotta ask you about your own journey in the fight game uh you talked a little bit about the loss to nico price in mexico city looking back on it though what went wrong for you and and what positives did you take away from the fight man i i really i really wish i knew what the hell i did wrong i mean you could look at it and be like uh uh, you know, you fuck it. your head was in the way. Move your head, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, if I broke it down, I was just throwing an outside kick. I was even kind of sliding out. I wasn't really standing stationary in the firing line. I was kind of sliding out to my right, the angle that a softball should be going with the outside kick. And he threw a right hand, a perfectly placed right hand at the exact time. So I just got caught, you know. I mean, I, I could sit here and make excuses or say that it wasn't a big deal. Whatever it is, I got caught, I was, but I wasn't really doing anything wrong, you know, so to speak, that I shouldn't have done. It's not like I had my hands down or I moved the wrong way. I was moving the way that I was supposed to and about to start implementing my game plan. He probably just watched a lot of tape on me and saw that sometimes I throw the outside leg, uh, the lead, my right leg, and then maybe um, that would be an opportunity, and he capitalized on it. So yeah. he did a great job at, at doing that. Uh, I definitely was rocked for a bit. But, uh, yeah, I was not happy at all with the stoppage. Uh, I may not have protested it during the fight just because, I don't know, that's not really my style. And to be honest, yeah, I was a little rocked. So I didn't really know what was going on. Like, I got knocked down, and when you get knocked down, you kind of, you kind of like, don't remember it. You know, you don't really see the punch. or like, you know, you just know you're on the ground fighting. And next thing I knew, the referee was, like, standing in front of me. So I thought something illegal happened. I thought that, like, he... He poked me in the eye or he grabbed the cage. So I thought it was just like a little like a reset. So I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then like I said, real, and the referee like turns around and just waving his hands or whatever was happening. And I was like, wait, you know, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I just didn't even have a chance to protest it. At that point, the, the fight had been stopped and Nico was um, celebrating and shit. So, yeah, and, and when it was happening, I just thought that like, you know, he hit me and then something happened. But I wasn't, I wasn't, like, out of it. And if you watch it, like, he knocked me down, and he, he jumped on my back, and he threw, like, three punches, and, like, maybe two of them missed, and one of them kind of grazed me. 
So he was going for the rear naked choke. He was like, well, let me try and submit him. And while he's going for the rear naked choke, the referee decided to step in. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't know, man. I'm not the type of guy to, like, throw somebody into the bus. But I don't think he's a great referee. That's a little short, stocky guy that's kind of kind of juiced up. And I'm not going to, like, tarnish his name right now. But I just did, it was a bad call in my eyes. Yes, I got hit. But uh, he overprotected me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if if I'm still moving and, and I'm not getting hit, then I'm still in the fight. And if somebody's trying to sink in a, sink in a submission, that's not the time to stop the fight. You let him sink in the submission. You know, it was a choke. He didn't even have it set. So, like, let him try to sink in the submission. I probably would have double, double defended the, the choking arm and then got my wits about me two seconds later and then fought off the submission. But, yeah, he stopped it and get, didn't give me – even if I only had a 20% window – to recover, give me that window because I'm a fighter and this is what we get paid to do. So, uh, it's that, tough, that's man. what happened it's tough. there. It's, it's tough. tough for sure. You know, it's tough for sure because I completely understand what you're saying. And in, and in his defense, you know, it's a really fine line that you have to walk. But, you know, so many times you see a fight get stopped early, you think, oh man, they should have let that go a little longer. Then you see a fight get stopped late and you're like, oh man, that guy shouldn't have taken that much punishment. But, I've always been of the train of thought that you got to give a guy an opportunity to recover a little bit. I mean, you look at the fight that always comes to mind for me is Pat Barry check Congo. I mean, had Herb Dean had Herb Dean stopped that fight, you never would have had that sensational knockout uh, at the hands of Chet Congo. So, I mean, a- absolutely. And, and you know what? You just reminded me about it. The reason I hadn't spoke on on the referee in a minute. The reason that I was so upset with him that I didn't I didn't really get this out there was um. Every single one of your fights, especially in the UFC, you have a, a rules meeting. Uh, in, the, in, in the smaller leagues, you have like a rules meeting with the entire, you know, every all the fighters are in one room, one referee explains the rules. In the UFC, your referee comes right up to you and he says, you know, hey, my name's John McCartney, I'm your referee, this is what I like to see, this is what I don't like to see, do you have any questions, is there anything about you I should know? And ever since, as long as I can remember, I literally tell the referee this every time. Look, I get knocked down in almost every single one of my fights. Do not stop it. Give me an opportunity. I always come back. If I go out, I go out. But let me have the opportunity to come back. And I've always said that ever since I think it was like my since my UFC debut, which same thing happened. I got knocked down. I came back, knocked him out. Got fight of the night. So I didn't get a ref a rules meeting. The referee never came in. I saw John McCartney in the in the uh, when we were warming up, and I go, I go, what's up, John? Are you are you refing me? And he goes, no, I don't know who's wrestling you, man. I go, okay, cool. And the next thing I know, they're like, all right, you're on deck. And I remember walking uh, when we were behind the curtain on deck. I, I told my coach, I go, I go, bro, I never even had a rules meeting. I don't even know if it's old rules or new rules. I didn't get to tell them about the knockdown thing, about if I get knocked down, et cetera, et cetera. So sure enough, it came to bite me in the ass. I get knocked down. He jumps in too early. And, and then that was that. And so it, it made me upset that, like, I feel like, he didn't keep with the integrity of his job and, and allow me the opportunity to explain myself. But I think he he did have a rules meeting with Nico because Nico said in his interview, you know, I told him before the fight, you better pull me off of him if I get on top of him because I'm not going to stop. So apparently, you, you see what I'm saying here? It's like yeah, yeah, Nico yeah. was able to sway him and say, look, if I get on top, you better pull me off. He didn't come talk to me before the fight when, for me to tell him, look, I get knocked down a lot. Do not stop it early. And therefore, he did stop it early. It had me pretty heated for a couple of days, obviously. I'm over it now. But 
Uh, I don't want to be ref by him again because I feel like he, he somewhat cost me. I got I got punched in the face. That was my fault. But he did not give me the opportunity that I should have been allowed to get out of it. Well, that's a so shame, man. That, that's a shame because that almost, to me, this kind of sounds like a Miranda right when you're being arrested. I mean, you know, you should, you might not even, you know, like technically maybe you shouldn't even be able to go out and compete if a ref hasn't come in and had that conversation with you. I mean, it's part of protocol. So therefore, it should happen, and I mean, it's strange that it didn't. So very unfortunate. And I can understand a your reasoning for the protest, you know, reasoning to protest the stoppage, and b even more so having a dislike for this ref now. So I completely understand that. And, and if it sounds funny to fans, they don't quite see what I'm, get what I'm saying. I'll put it like this as an example: if you're double jointed, and your and your elbow can like pretty much. Uh, you know, you could, you could, you, you, you don't. It's hard for you to get armbarred because you're so double jointed in the elbow. And then, then referees need to know that. They tell you. They tell me. Is there anything we should know? Are you double jointed? Is there anything that's flexible or this or that? And so you tell a guy, referee, look, I'm super double jointed. If I get an armbar, don't even worry. My arm moves like that. And now they know if that position comes up, I'm not stopping it. He already told me. And so these are the kind of details that that weigh in on fights when referees aren't sure what to do. That was a position that he should have talked to me. I could have told him, give me an opportunity. I get I get knocked down a lot, but he didn't do that part of his job and, and so on and so on. But, yeah, that was that was my the one dig that I had about that fight. Other than that, though, um, Nico just did a good job, man. I feel like, and this isn't a bitter side of me. This is the, the confident side of me. I feel like I'm a better fighter than him in every area. You know, I feel like I would beat him on the feet. I would beat him on the ground. But he's found something. He's undefeated for a reason. He's found a way of making it happen. He doesn't have the prettiest Muay Thai or the, the slickest jiu-jitsu, but he's good in both areas. So um, congrats to him. Uh, I just was disappointed I didn't get to show everything I had that night. Well, listen, water under the bridge, lesson learned, and uh, you know I have no doubt that you'll get back on the horse and get back in the wind column here. Uh, but that being said, you know I'd imagine there was some kind of a suspension with the knockout, and you're probably wisely taking some time to heal and recover a bit, but have you put any thought into when you'd like to return to action? Yeah, absolutely. I, I got the, uh, I was taking a little time to just kind of chill, and then uh, I started kind of getting that itch again, and I, I've been in training. I never really stopped training. I'm always in pretty decent shape, and then uh, I didn't want the year to get by me without having another fight and getting a, a win, because I, I lost, I've only fought twice this year, and I lost both of those. And I've never lost two fights in a row in my entire life. So um, I want to erase that right now. And uh, so I'm looking for December. Um, and I, I was on the phone with Sean Shelby the other day, kind of going over different cards. I'd like to stay local because my last two fights were um, international against good opponents. I'd like to just stay local this time, maybe Vegas or something. I thought there's a card possibly in, in Fresno. In December, so either way, I'm looking to. Uh, I'll be fighting in December in the states. I'm not sure where or who yet, though. Okay, any opponents in mind? I mean, there's plenty of good matchups out there for you to get back in the win column and head towards that top ten ranking. Yeah, I, I haven't thrown anybody out there. I was kind of waiting for them to just throw somebody at me. I've I've never really, you know, I do try to take a hold of my of, of my destiny and my journey. Like I would, you know, I, I used to call them. Uh, Joe Silva or um, Sean Shelby and say, look, if, if nobody wants to fight this guy, I'll fight him. You know, I always let him know it's that type of guy. But coming off of two losses, I just, I don't know, I just don't, I don't want to be too pushy because, yeah. you know, I, I, as much as these matchmakers 
may or may not take sides, um, it still makes me feel the, I don't know, the, the human side of me, the, the human side of me, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like I let him down, you know, like I, I told him, I said, look, you give me any guy, like nobody wanted to fight Gunnar Nelson, five people turned him down, I said, dude, I'll take him, let's do it, I lost that fight, and I was like, damn it, like, even though he might not have been rooting for me, the matchmaker, John Sean Shelby, I feel like, shit, I told him, I'll take this fight, I'm gonna handle my business, and I didn't get the job done, and the same with Nico, I just remember thinking, like, like, I want these guys to know that, like, they could, they could trust me to put me in a tough spot or to put me in a main event or a co-main event or fight somebody in their hometown. And so with that said, coming off of the two losses, I just don't want to be too pushy about requesting guys and this or that. I was going to let them throw me whoever they wanted and um, take care of business. Well, you got to know when to hold them and fold them, man. So makes sense to me. It sounds like you're taking the, the smart approach here. And, uh, again, I have no doubt you'll be able to get back in that win column. And we certainly look forward to your, to your return and, Another big win from the Brahma, but as always, man, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Um, FXX, it's going down Friday. What time does the uh, pre-flight coverage actually start? Do you know? Uh, I think uh, Thursday for the weigh-in is, and this is all Pacific time, but Thursday for the weigh-in is 3.30 to 4. It's a half-hour uh, weigh-in show. And then Friday is the pre-fight show from 4 to 5. Okay. And then there's the prelims from 5 to 7. And then from 7 to 10 is the main card. And then after that, we're back on on FXX from uh, 10 to 11 with the post-fight show. So it's basically an hour before, hour after, where we're kind of breaking down the fights and analyzing everything. Oh, it sounds like you got a busy weekend ahead of you, man. Uh, real quick, I wanted to know... Which athletes' names have been the hardest ones to learn proper pronunciation? You know, this is something you always hear analysts struggling with and, and talking about that. For, so for you personally, who's been the toughest guy to figure out their name so far? Oh, man, that's a good question because I got to go I gotta go over them later. But, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at the card right now, and there's Oka Sasaki and Kita Nakamura and Josier Formiga and Siuri Kondo and... Every, you know, half of the is hard. You know, Mazuto Hirota, Teruto Ishihara, Takanori Gomi, he's a, he's a pretty easy one to say, but that's the card, Dong Hyun Kim, the other Dong Hyun Kim. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting, man. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to make my uh, my guest debut here, and that's, that's what the names look like. But fortunately, <laughs> they do send us an email where, you know, when you first fight in the UFC, you have to say your name like five times. And uh, you pronounce your name that way, they could every and, and they send that to us. But the funny thing is, man, a lot of these Japanese fighters, apparently Japanese people do not speak very slowly. You know, like just the oh, way very the way they speak, it's a fast language. And um, usually they have you say your name, Alan Joban, and they say it again, Alan Joban. They say it one more time, they say do it slow. So anyway, this uh, who I think it was Mizuto Hirota. Um, he came in right away, Mizuto Hirota, Mizuto Hirota, and, go, and then you, you can hear the guy in the background go, okay, this time slow, he goes, Mizuto Hirota, he goes, okay, this time stay real slow, he goes, Mizuto Hirota, and it was like six times in a row, man, it was the funniest thing, it was like, he never slowed down one time, he was like, really slow, really slow, Mizuto Hirota, and I was like, man, thank That's God I'm kind of familiar with him, but yeah, and not the Japanese to, language is not meant to be slow. And not to mention, they say the surname first a lot of the time, and then the first name. So, 
Yeah, de- definitely a lot to juggle for the for the first uh, first time at bat here with the with the analyst position. That is for sure, my man. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting, but it'll be fun. Absolutely. So, all right, man. I, I know I'll be tuning in for all the coverage and analysis, and I wish you the best of luck with this debut. And as I said before, I hope the Fox executives uh, realize the potential with this uh, that you have, and this blossoms into something that you could pursue after fighting. Um, and certainly looking forward to your return in December, hopefully in Fresno. Um, in conclusion, man, why should everybody tune in on Friday to to see all your uh, pre and post fight coverage? Well, check out the fights first of all, because like the ones we broke down, those those are some of the good ones, man. I mean, with the main event, the co-main with the girls, and then Saki's debut is uh, it's worth checking it out. But it'll be fun, man. Like you said, uh, it's me and Biz being in DC and and. This thing's always got a lot to say, especially with the GSC fight coming up. And DC has been kind of back to his normal self ever since the news of John Jones came out. I know both of these guys. I've worked with them. Well, I've worked with Biz Bing before. And, and, I, and I know DC. We're both from the same hometown, actually, at Lafayette, Louisiana. So it'll be a fun. And obviously, me and Karen Bryant, we do our podcast together. So there should be a pretty good um Pretty good conversations going on, everybody having some fun with it. But definitely check it out. It'll be, it'll be some good fights. And, and as of lately, it's shown that these kind of smaller, less promoted cards seem to have some of the best outcomes, the best fights. So I'm hoping that trend continues this Friday. Yeah, they fly under the radar, and then that becomes the card you wish you watched live. So don't miss it this Friday on FXX. Make sure you guys check out the Brahma himself, Alan Joban, making his analyst debut on the panel. Uh, certainly looking forward to it, man. Thanks, as always, for the time, Alan. Greatly appreciated. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? I'm good, man. I'm good with the shout-outs. But I appreciate you having me on, man. It was a good opportunity for me to um, go over some stuff I've been I've been reading. So it was a good practice for this, for this weekend. It's helped me out a lot. <laughs> no problem, man. Anytime. Uh, again, we look, forward to, to, uh, we look forward to everything on Friday. Looking forward to the fight. We'll, we'll chat again soon when a fight get, gets announced. And best of luck on Friday, man. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. Have, Have a good day. The big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.